Welcome back to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our review for James Gunn's latest film, The Suicide Squad. What's up, Num Nums? My name is Justin, and today we're bringing you our spoiler-free and spoiler-filled review for Warner's remake of the classic 2016 film, Suicide Squad, called The Suicide Squad. We'll be sharing our thoughts about the film and how it holds up as sort of a mulligan to the 2016 flop. But first, if you're joining us for the first time, this is a weekly podcast covering the world of film, television, gaming, toys, collectibles, and all things geek-centric. Joining me for today's episode, as always, my usual geek squad, we got the short and sweet Tootsie Pop Nate Shelton and his taller counterpart, the Gut Punch Kev. How's it going, boys? Ooh. That's my, those are my, like, suicide squad names for you, right? I like it. Yeah. Would I have, like, would I always just, like, walk around, like, all sexy with a Tootsie Pop yeah, in my mouth? exactly. You'd have, like, a Harley Hot. Quinn sort of outfit, but Hot. you just have a yep. Tootsie Pop, yeah. High, high level boots that just come up to your waist. <laughs> now, now for me, gut punch. Am I like just literally all I do is walk around and punch people in the <laughs> gut, yeah. or do I just like, or do I find people who are happy and deliver really bad news Ooh, so I that like they're that now, some, you yeah, know, like a gut a punch. One. You know, that's I just ruin one. people's days. You do yeah. both. You do both. <laughs> you do both. <laughs> I do one of them in real Physical life. That's for and sure. Both emotional yeah. gut punches. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, let's get into our review now. As I mentioned at the top of the show. We're going to be giving you our spoiler-free and spoiler-filled reviews on this Warner Brother do-over epic, uh, which we will clearly outline in our dialogue as we move forward. Um, but maybe just before we get to our initial high-level thoughts, spoiler-free, of course, why don't we give you, our listeners, a little background as to how we got here. The Suicide Squad is written and directed by the anti-hero ensemble cast storyteller James Gunn, commercially known for Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. And he's the guy who Warner tried to copy in 2016 when they made the original Suicide Squad. <laughs> in 2018, after the realization of some ill-mannered tweets that were very inappropriate, Gunn was let go from the Disney Marvel family, and it appeared that the stars had a line for Warner Brothers because they could now make the Suicide Squad movie they wanted, rather than making a James Gunn knockoff. So I guess you could say one's loss is another's gain. Or is it? Now, this film has a stacked cast. We're talking about John Cena, Margot Robbie, Pete Davidson, Idris Elba, Daniela Melchior, Nathan Fillion, Joel Kinnaman, Taika Waititi, Alice Braga, David Desmelchian, Flula Borg, Michael Rooker, Viola Davis, Storm Reid, Jai Courtney, Sean Gunn, and a hell of a lot more characters to go with that that I'm just not going to read through. So now that that's all out of the way, Let's get into our spoiler-free, high-level thoughts for this movie. Nate, let's start with you. Yeah, um, this movie was really enjoyable. Uh, it's the summer action blockbuster. Uh, and it's funny because we, we just put out our review for Free Guy, which is releasing afterwards. Um, and that was potentially going to be the, the summer blockbuster. But this, uh, this totally takes the throne. Um, and I think, honestly, much like it's... It's massive list of colorful characters. It's not perfect. It's got a few issues with balance and pacing, but it does do a lot to elevate itself beyond what's just on the surface. So once you really dig into it, I think especially past its first act, that's really where the movie starts to uh, to take off. 
Um, I think there's going to be a lot of comparisons to Guardians of the Galaxy, which we'll talk about. Um, and not just because of James Gunn, but there's other reasons that we'll get into in the spoiler-filled section as well uh, that I think work against this movie. Um, but this movie was what I expected. It just didn't do more than that for me. Um, however, I, I know this is kind of like a roller coaster of emotions here, um, but that's kind of like the movie too. Um, <laughs> but I think you should go see it. I think if you're a fan of James Gunn movies, if you're a, if you're a fan of DC comics, and if you're a fan of any of these characters, um, definitely, definitely go see it in a theater uh, because yes. that is where we saw it, and that's probably going to be the best experience for you. I don't think it would have anywhere near. Uh, the resonance it did with me if I saw it on uh, on a little screen. Yeah, it probably is a rewatch. Sure, watch it on a little screen. Sure. But uh, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. definitely needs to be experienced in theater. Kev, how about yourself? Uh, I'm going to blow some socks off here because uh, I absolutely loved this movie Whoa. start to finish, uh, near perfection for me. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm actually looking forward to sort of seeing what didn't work and whether... I can change your mind or you you might change mine. Um, and now I'll start off by saying this was not the most fun I've had watching a superhero movie, but that's almost one of its strengths. Um, it's really funny, but not necessarily or always laugh out loud funny. It's almost like an uncomfortable sort of humor that can either make a movie sink or swim. It's fun, but also dark and challenging and even sad at times. Uh, it's a visual delight but it's also repugnant and disturbing to look at at times. <laughs> it stars a cast of characters, each flawed and often evil, but the film still manages to give them all this underlying sense of who they are and why they are the way they are. By the end of the movie, I felt an attachment to every single character, and I, really? just, I thought the movie did a great job of being unpredictable, probably its greatest strength, uh, where it creates a sense of foreboding dread, where you never felt that any character at any time was safe. Um, you know, that's, that's what makes this movie so unique. In a genre where you often know that the heroes or main characters are never truly in danger, this movie almost does the opposite of that. Um, and yes, I just, I just loved how different it felt to the typical superhero movie we've been getting for the last 10 years. Um, <clears throat> as Nate said, if you're going to see this movie, 100% do it in a theater. It's a must-see in the theater kind of movie and do it in D box if you can, because that was the was best. Cool. That was the best D box movie I've ever seen. Yeah. I like in, and, and like, and this isn't a spoiler to say that they're in a helicopter at some point, but even just that, I think the shout out to the D box technicians that, that did all this because you're feeling like the foom, 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 foom of like the blade of the helicopter on your back. And you're like, am I sitting in the helicopter with these characters? Uh, definitely. Yeah, D box was in, awesome. It's, it's incredibly this. immersive. Just everything yeah. you feel punches, you feel, you know, movement, everything. Uh, now, great. in terms of recommendation, I don't know if I would recommend this movie to everyone, especially mm. to casual movie fans or comic book fans looking for the typical hero story. If you're going in expecting Guardians of the Galaxy, but with bigger jerks, you may be disappointed or confused. You know, like this movie was clearly done by the guy who brought us Guardians and has the same kind of wit and heart, but it comes in a completely different package here. Yeah. And so I think you might be a little confused as to what you're watching at times. So just a little bit of warning to the squeamish or those who might not like foul language or, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, again, I, you know, I can't wait to talk about it cause I loved it. 
Awesome. Yeah, uh, I think I'm kind of in between. Like, I didn't hate this movie. I actually really enjoyed it, thinking about it more after after seeing it. Um, it it's not great. There's flaws, but I, I think that that can be said about any movie, really. Um, it created a story around very unlikely characters, some very obscure from the DC comics, but this is the best of the best. It has the humor, it has the action, it has the gore, and it has the heart. Uh, huge cast, and, and, you know, like Kevin said, no one is safe. And the balance of tones throughout this movie, from drama to comedy to action, it, it is just masterfully done and, and James Gunn deserves all the recognition for for balancing this as, as he as he built this movie. This is this year's summer blockbuster. It has the wit. It has the heart. Uh, it has everything that you would want from a blockbuster. Um, yes, Kevin, you're absolutely right. This isn't necessarily the typical fluffy Marvel movie. This is a rated R uh, anti-hero. I wouldn't even call it a superhero. They, they, I, I get that it's DC and it, it is qualified as a superhero, but and that's, that's what they're kind of going for. But really this is a a movie about misfits that are just low of the low of the bottom of the barrel which is perfect for James Gunn because he has such a, an appreciation for the lesser known characters and and wanting to tell a story with those characters that aren't necessarily as appreciated and yeah I, I, I totally recommend you to see it in theaters yeah, on the biggest screen if possible D-Box sure uh, I've heard great things about it in IMAX as well which mm-hmm. I wish we had been able to get tickets to see it in IMAX but a bit tough with uh, limited seating and so on and so forth but that being said uh yeah this movie was great just of just of note though the crazy thing is this is a rated r movie with a 14a rating and i will never understand that how this works and how they got away with what they did on this one because well it's rated r in the states but and it's but it's here it's 14a i don't yeah i don't know how they did that here it's wild but call me old-fashioned but there was a dad and his kid you know, just uh, behind us. And I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, as we were watching some of these scenes, some of these moments, I'm like, either that's a really mature kid and his dad knows what's up or, or like, I don't know. It, it just, if something, it felt off to, to have that kid in the theater with us. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable taking someone who is 10 to 13. Yeah. Right. Like I yeah. think that that might be cause the, just because of the level of, of intense score that's in this, uh, but hey, 14, sure, might as well, right? It's 14A. Sure, so. they got to grow up sometime. Exactly. Okay, well, <laughs> uh, that concludes our spoiler-free portion of the podcast. So if you haven't seen the movie, we encourage you to leave. Well, pause, then leave, and come back when you've seen the movie. Okay? Okay. Okay, I think we're good. At this point, if, if you're still here, it's your own fault. Okay? Because we're they getting all into, die. Yeah, we're we're all <laughs> <laughs> we're getting into spoilers, so let's let's do this. Okay. So for our spoiler discussion, let's start with, with what worked. And and if it's okay with you guys, I I'd love to just kick things off uh, with this discussion of, of what I thought really worked. And and I mm. think what worked was how the movie opened up uh, staying focused on a inmate, Savant, played by Michael Rucker. Um, and we we're getting reintroduced to this idea of the suicide. Side Squad, which is why I feel like this is a bit of a sequel and it still stays connected to the original film. Like this is kind of a, a redo. Let's do it again. But this affirms that the movie from 2016 still has a place, even though it is absolute trash, but it kind of speeds things up. I really liked how fast paced it was. And it was just like, here's, here's all the information you need to know. Cause even if you haven't seen that movie, like Nate hasn't, he pretty much got the gist of what the suicide squad is and its purpose with, you know, Amanda Waller kind of leading the charge and, and so on and so forth. So I appreciated that. And it was like, what a good, like 10 or 15 minutes before we actually got a title like a title card, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, yeah, it was almost, you know, it, 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 that's that's what makes it work. You said it, Justin, because this is not so much a reboot as a reboot quill. 
and you know it it allows the main points of of what we know from the first movie to carry over so we don't need that explanation it's you're an inmate i'll take some time off from your sentence if you hop aboard so even if you're new you get the idea quickly but you know you have the established characters like rick flag harley quinn and amanda waller specifically sort of guiding us right into the story and it just gets going right away i love that part of it as i said earlier i mean with james gunn attached like I'm going to be drawing a lot of parallels from the MCU and what works from the MCU. And I do think, you know, while there's some stuff that we'll get into a little bit later that I thought uh, almost detracts from this movie that it emulates from from other MCU movies, including Guardians. I did think that absolutely this was a great decision to fast track this. They took that, you know, it's it's a Spider-Man situation, right? We've we've already seen all this. We know this. Like even people who haven't watched the original Suicide Squad knows they know how it works when they're going into this movie. So to, you know, to not have to show every character's origin story um, was perfect and and I was really happy that they they did like just hit that pace yeah. uh, right off they, the bat. They hit the ground running right from the start, and I appreciated that. There wasn't any sort of like lull time into it. So, you know, it was it was great uh, just to just to kind of see right off the bat we were getting right into things. What it does is it doesn't erase the first Suicide exactly. Squad movie, yes. but also doesn't make it necessary. Yep. Yeah, and so that's that's a hard balance, I'm sure, to sort of find. And I think, yeah, the the first five minutes gave me such confidence yeah. that they had done it. It did. It did a better job at acknowledging the movie before it than Space Jam: A New Legacy did. <laughs> there you sure. go. Sure. We're just going to constantly find a way dunk to on Space, Space Jam, Jam for the rest of the year. Review. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> uh, anyways, what else worked for you guys with the story? Nate, I'm, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, we talk about a movie being confident all the time, and and this movie absolutely was. It it totally nailed and knows what it wants to be. I mean, I expected that from James Gunn, right? I expected him to to go in there. And it's just nice to see that, you know, he, he kind of... It, it's cool to see what he can do with properties that aren't tied down by either a continued story of the MCU, as well as, you know, allowing him to sort of have that freedom to explore things like swear words and gore and things like that when he's not under the house of mouse and i I know that the house of mouse owns deadpool now and you could make that argument but it's just cool to see james gunn really put james gunn into these characters in this story so i thought that was fantastic something that really worked for me and i'm wondering if this might be something uh maybe even nate specifically that you didn't think worked i loved the way they kind of started off the story where they did and then flashed back uh, like a little, uh, you know, 15 minutes into it or so, because what that did was it set us up with a group that we thought we were following into a mission. And really all they are is cannon fodder. All they are is just an excuse to get the actual team to its destination. And I think if you had told it in a more linear way, and we knew that there were two factions storming this Island, it would we would know which was the A team and which was the B team, you know? And so for them to set it up this way and just have them all sort of unexpectedly gunned down made that effective, uh, in my in my opinion. I did think the Team A, Team B uh, narrative really as a through line throughout the movie, because they do it a few times throughout the movie where they mm-hmm. sort of jump, here's what happened 10 minutes earlier or whatever. I actually really thought that was cool. It was refreshing, especially for... You know, I know this is a supervillain movie, but a superhero movie, whatever you want to call it, a team up movie anti-hero. like this and an antihero movie. It was it was cool to to see that. And I, I liked it. I liked them 
how he added that throughout the the narrative. As far as the opening scene and all of those characters, um, I will get to my thoughts on that when we get to our didn't like. Okay. Um, I mean, this isn't this isn't something if you're a James Gunn fan that you're going to be surprised by, but the soundtrack's awesome. The soundtrack yeah, is the fantastic. Yeah, the soundtrack really helped, yeah. It really fits every single moment. It, at, at no mo- point in time did I feel like, wow, that song felt out of place or, or it didn't work or that it was too much. I know we've talked about like, how much we really enjoyed some of the musical elements of like Cruella, for instance, um, but how many songs there are in Cruella. I, I was, I was the one thing I was liked or I was surprised by was how well the music was used. It didn't feel overstuffed because I did read some tweets going into this saying like three minutes in, there's already four songs. No, or something that, like I think that, that might've been actually in reference to the original suicide squad, because I remember <laughs> it was very heavy handed in the previous one. And they were obviously trying to be very guardians, James Gunn style here. You have, you know, the, the master himself able to cons- construct a script around the soundtrack that he wants to use and, and really build the story about how, how, how the visuals and the story tie with that soundtrack. Yeah, that's one of the, the the better parallels I can see from this movie to the first Guardians um, was just how well the soundtrack worked to convey either the characters we're seeing or the action we're seeing or the mood that we're supposed to be feeling. I think he, I didn't like the soundtrack as much for Guardians 2. Um, mm. I thought that was an example of a bit heavy-handed and a bit... You know, not necessarily on the nose, a but a bit shoving it down. Yeah, it, yeah, was, it was too much of the same. Me. Do it again. Yeah, yeah whereas this, yeah. there were some uh, unique sort of songs to be putting action movies in front of. And I know a lot of movies do that these days, but this was an example of it being done really, really well. Yeah, I also wanted to just shout out the violence in the movie because I do oh, think yeah. it was really well handled. It wasn't. And like the thing is, is you could look at some of the trailers for this movie, um, which I don't recommend and we'll get to why in my didn't like. But you can watch some of the trailers in this movie and and see, you know, uh, King Shark ripping a guy apart and think like, oh, this is violence for violence sake. But it, it never really feels like that. It never feels too no. gory. It's, like, it, like, 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 I don't, I didn't not, think it was like gore no, no. porn or anything yeah. like that. It doesn't you know feel like I mean? it's being gory for the sake of being gory. Yeah. Like, it, but it's yeah. played for humor's sake at, at yeah. particular times. Exactly. What you were kind of saying there, Kevin, how it's played for comedic effect, making us feel like we're laughing at all these comedic moments of, of violence. But I love that, that scene where they're going into the camp with all the rebels and they're just decimating them in the most creative ways in this pseudo competition uh, between Bloodsport and uh, and and Cena's uh, peacemaker and I love how I love how they get to that moment where you just realize oh crap like they just killed all the good guys <laughs> and then you you feel it too um, so it was cool to see how he played with that and it was I thought that was really fantastic uh, undeniably and and I, I do want to say though that not all of the violence is necessarily for comedic purposes right mm. there's there's a there's some shocking gut-wrenching violence that happens yeah. in this movie and i think that's kind of the same as the action in general it's it's so many different types of action that you see throughout the movie and the and one scene that really stood out for me was the fight between peacemaker and uh rick flag all yeah. filmed in the reflection of the helmet i mean there were some really creative action sequences in this and it was really frenetic and high paced but you saw every single blow every single blow had a purpose and intention i just thought the choreography was so obviously not realistic but it 
it made sense and it, and it worked for characters making these decisions and why they were doing what they were doing. And then even the hallway scene with Harley, I mean, everything she does makes sense. And it's not like she's one shot killing all these opponents. Sometimes she has to like hit them three or four times to get them down. And that was just kind of refreshing too. It wasn't just an easy run through this hallway of 50 guys. She did it because she was making the right choices at exactly the right moment. I just felt there was such good intention and purpose for each character doing what they did. And talking about that moment with Harley, I mean, it was essentially an elevated version of what we got with her in Birds of Prey, right? And I think, I think you know, we could say the same thing about her character, but I just loved how colorful it all was when it was supposed to be so dark and and horrific uh and you just see the flowers flying out and the the cartoon birds on the on the walls i just that to me was probably the standout action moment um that was probably one of my favorite things i was just smiling the entire time uh and it was really just me kind of being like now this is how you do Harley Quinn like this is how Harley Quinn action is and it sets the standard for it to the point where I'm like I don't want anybody else to be Harley Quinn ever again she's she's the Hugh yeah, Jackman yeah. of Harley Quinn yeah, you know sure. what I'm talking yeah, about absolutely. yeah absolutely 100% 100% and, and I think you guys are right everything that you guys just broke down there it's all about intention and James Gunn does everything with intention in his movies and this is a great example because it worked but speaking of things that worked let's talk about what didn't work i'm very interested to hear your thoughts about what didn't work for you guys uh nate let's start with you uh yeah okay so i mean i definitely felt like there was a lot of moments where the pacing did slow down for as much as we praise the opening for that really fast quick pacing there were a lot of scenes that I felt could have been trimmed a little bit, could have been taken out. And what I would have done with that time, if you want to keep the same runtime, is I would have given it to the fantastic, incredible actors and actresses that we had, that we lost, you know, rest in peace, in memoriam, in the first, like, few minutes. And I get it. Like, that is such a bold choice to say, look at this movie we're going to make. And going into this, uh, and, and sorry, and bringing these, these high-level actors... But I knew going into it that we were going to lose a lot of them. All the marketing was talking about the idea of like, oh, who survives, who gets killed, they're all going to die, whatever. And I, I, I knew that was going to, to happen. I just wanted a little bit more time with someone like Flula Borg's javelin. Like he said four words, right? I wanted a little bit more time with Pete Davidson as Blackguard, him interacting with Weasel or, or Nathan Fillion's TDK. Like that was a cool, funny moment that they did with him. And I get it. I'm not asking for full movies with these characters that are in a way almost, almost harder to, to translate into characters we care about. But I mean, we got freaking Polka Dot Man and he was fantastic. So for me, it was just like, I wanted them to just give a little more time to them so that when their deaths did happen, it didn't feel as um, cheap. It didn't feel as sort of underwhelming. It, I didn't really feel too much. I got shocked, yeah. but it felt like shock for shock value. Yeah, I think that was the point, though. You're not supposed to care. They were entirely expendable. Here they are, and there they go. She threw them on that beach because she didn't care about them, and we weren't supposed to either. You know, yeah. and I think we got enough. You know, Pete Davidson, he's a dickhead. Flueless <laughs> Javelin character, he's charming and, and fun, you know, and we, we kind of got a one-sentence impression of who they were, and then, boom, they were gone, you know. Yeah. And, and you still, it, 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 was, it was more the intensity of the moment that was supposed to register there rather than the loss of these specific characters. 
I just I just feel like those characters are pretty cool and like I wanted to I do not so want to see more of detachable them. limb kid. I you do. Know? I, no, you don't. I'm telling you. But listen again, if it's if it's done by James Gunn, if it's something like Polka Dot Man, where I was like I was thinking Polka Dot Man was gonna sit in the background of this movie, and he was actually my favorite part. Like I don't know, man. That that to me was just something that. It, it just it fell a little bit flat. I would have just liked a little bit more time with them. Um, but that's just me being being picky in terms of, you know, fan. I want this. I want that. Right. Yeah, I agree with Kevin. I think the idea of the shock factor, it sets in within the first 15 minutes of the movie. Most of them are gone. Um, so, you know, that 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 does have a wow sort of element but we, again with the marketing and everything and and how the trailer kind of knew it was coming but yeah, the way it happened were, and, was and, intense and, and yeah, a bit exactly. shocking they're dying as they says you're they're dying to save the world right so uh we knew that was gonna happen i, I do agree though nate with you on on the, the case of pacing there, there was a, a few slow parts it just kind of felt like it was driving and then it kind of slowed down a little bit and then it would pick up again i think towards the end with with their sort of whole situation of uh, you know, setting the bombs in the Jodenheim. It just felt a little clunky. I, 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 that was where we got another one of those flashback moments where it was like eight minutes earlier. Um, you know, all of this anticipation of just releasing this giant starfish, it felt a little clunky, um, just kind of finding its balance. And don't get me wrong. I don't think you, like, a movie has to slow down to speed back up again. I totally understand that. It just felt like, again, and I'm sorry, I can't stop thinking about Guardians of the Galaxy, um, but you've, you you just see how clean that movie is. And from a standpoint of editing, from a standpoint of moving from one section of the movie to the other, and this just, movie doesn't, this yeah. movie doesn't have that, which yeah. I, again, I, I agree with you, Kevin. It's not fair to just sort of come, come in with the expectations of, like, this is a Guardians of the Galaxy with bad characters or whatever, with bad guys, anti-heroes. But no, I, straight up I villains. Just, Let's get it straight. I, they are, sure, we'll go, with, we'll go with they villains. Are, they are not super villains because they're all <laughs> lousy at their jobs, but they right. are villains villains um but i i do think though when we're looking at just judging this movie from a standpoint of quality you have to you have to think about that right you have to think about the fact that like this could have been a little bit cleaner there were moments with but like also for instance like rat catcher 2 um being sort of like the heart and the emotional through point along with let's be honest Groot or king shark inawe um it it did to me, it didn't. It didn't hit me the same way. It didn't hit me as much. I didn't feel what I think they wanted me to feel throughout the movie. And so, having them sort of be the the through point and maybe not focusing as much on on Bloodsport, I I thought was a bit of a miss for me. But she's integral because she's the character that helps us see the good in everyone. That was her role more than her mm. superpower. Her ability was to see that underlying humanity in all of these characters and help them see it in themselves. I thought she was a great character. And I love that. And I love I think it's hilarious that she's kept out of all promotional material. Like, I don't think she has a single line in any of the the trailers, anything like that. You know, there's one moment. It's the moment on the bus that that, again, is that really heartfelt moment with her in Bloodsport that is in the trailer. Right. Um, And and can I just quickly say, if we're going to bring up that trailer, that's the only other big thing that really messed up this movie for me uh, is the fact that I did watch those trailers yeah, and we did it. talk about them and Kevin yeah you called it man like you you mentioned hey all the jokes I'm, I'm a little worried that all the jokes are going to be in this trailer we're not going to get anything in the movie and I'll be honest with you maybe not all of them but almost all of the jokes that were in the trailer I've already heard so when it came to hearing them the second time I didn't laugh as much as I 
I was hoping to uh, for a James Gunn Suicide Squad. Movie. Yeah, I think I think that's almost what I was uh, maybe getting at in my opening. Um, just in that it wasn't this laugh out loud you know, joke a minute kind of movie. And I think the trailer did sort of give away all the one-liner jokes that don't need any context. But I still think there were a plethora of visual and dialogue-based jokes that just required a bit more context and weren't necessarily funny, you know what I mean? And so, I, you know, I think it, 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 there was still a lot of that, like the surprising kind of jokes throughout the movie. Just yeah, maybe I, not that smack you in the face. This is a joke. And then the only other thing I'll say again regarding the narrative and, and, and the marketing for this is it was spoiled. Like I knew I knew the movie like I, we knew the movie. We knew the island scenes. We knew the we knew the scenes on Corto Maltese. We knew the Starro situation. We knew the movie. What we didn't know, granted were the individual, like, who characters, who died, who survived. And that was fantastic. To keep that surprise, Kevin, again, as much as I didn't like how that that element was introduced to the film, I did enjoy the fact that they built up to a much bigger degree Colonel Rick Flagg, his character, and then seeing him die was a huge surprise for me. And I, I really did enjoy that aspect of it, coming away from it. But just the idea of, like, walking out of the movie and being like, cool, like, I knew how that was all going to kind of, play out for the most part i knew the narrative of the movie before i watched it and and that's just a bad trailer right well because i know we're gonna I, I mean for me at least i'm gonna gush over all the characters but seeing as we're coming off of what didn't work for me the one thing that i would really say was a negative for me um was a character and that was starro and i mean some of the people i saw it with you know just thought it was stupid and dumb and altogether just a terrible villain and that's not w- what my issue was my issue was starro didn't come off as a threat. I mean, sure, he's gigantic and can crush people, but he just didn't come off as this terrorizing menace that they built him up to be throughout the whole movie. So that that was that was my biggest flop of the movie. The only one I can really think of. So I'm interested to see if there were any other characters that didn't work for you guys. Yeah, well, with that, let's move right into characters. Uh, you know, and and you know, what which characters worked for you, which characters didn't work for you? Which do we wish we had more characters? I think Nate already kind of specified that he wish he had seen a, a few more characters for a little just bit longer for, on the screen. Just for a little longer. Yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah. I want 10 minutes with with Javelin Man. I don't know. We don't we didn't need them because the the focus was on those six members of the actual Suicide Squad. Right. Not the we're going to kill you as a distraction squad, but the actual suicide squad. And I right. thought they all had a great chance to sort of develop as characters. And really, we got to see I was attached to these characters, uh, you know, by the movie's end. And like kudos for making me like Rick Flagg, because holy moly, I hated him after the first one and loved him <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. Uh, John Cena was was OK. He was very John Cena. Uh, Idris Elba was also good. I, I really liked the two dynamics between between those two characters. The the, the competition for the alpha dog sort of thing. Um, you know, Rick Flag was 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 great. I, I I'm glad that of the characters that that found their way over to to hear, you know, Rick Flag stuck with that because he was a very underutilized character and a very important character to the Suicide Squad. And and they gave him so much heart. And you know, Nate already called it, but when they killed him, it I, I was actually genuinely surprised that they killed him. I was very shocked for the cast itself it makes sense that we got little bits of time with some and more with others obviously as they were the drivers of this of the story but at the end they were all given 
a good amount of attention, I feel like, even if they were just there for the sake of being killed off. It did what it needed to do with the characters that were more sidelined, but while also really having a great focus. Like, I loved Ratcatcher 2 as well. Uh, Kevin, what a great call out that she sees the good in everyone. And, and I think that only... Uh, is accentuated by the fact that she's connected with rats, uh, commonly seen as these dirty, grungy animals. She's able to use them and see the good in them. And she brings the good out of everyone. Like even King Shark, like it was amazing how she was able to connect with this sort of character on a different level. And she connected the team all together. And, and, you know, James Gunn did such a good job of anchoring the heart in her. So yeah, I I don't know. She was great. All the characters are great. I love them. Nate, how about yourself? I mean, I'll start with with a little bit more didn't like, and it's not much, honestly. But but yeah, with with Ratcatcher two, like Kevin, I I I like your description of her more than I think what I got from the movie. I mean, to be fair, right? my more description than... comes from what I got from the movie. So <laughs> sure, yeah, I understand. <laughs> I understand. But what I what I mean is is you know doing the the reflection um, origin story when she's sort of like talking to Bloodsport on the bus. That was lovely. That was sweet. That was a little bit of a different way to do that, but it did feel so rushed. It did feel so quick to sort of a little more heavy handed to say like, this is why you need to care about this character. And that just didn't, it didn't hit me as hard as maybe, maybe it connected with you. Um, as far as what I love though, uh, David Desmalchian again stole the freaking every time he was on the screen because and the funny thing was you see him at the beginning with the big neck brace on and they're like what's that for it's like it's to dampen his powers and you're like hold on this is polka dot man <laughs> he throws polka dots at people and even even Cena's like throws polka dots at people and then there's they don't respond he but, actually wait. throws polka dots <laughs> it's at people. so good um Justin was howling so hard when we see Desmalchian when we see polka dot man dancing in the club and I was just like I think Justin's laughing so hard because he's looking at him in a mirror right now. I would be I'm I'm probably like out of all of them, I would be yeah. polka dot man. Just <laughs> not the like visceral hate for my mother. Right. Oh my like, gosh. <laughs> but like but there's another example of where there's a moment for this character where he's free for that one moment in time from the burden of his mother. And yeah. he's and he's loving it because he's not even thinking about her for that one second in time. And it was it was beautiful. They cut to that scene where they're, it's all his mom dancing with him. That's what made me laugh. Right? Well, yeah, and then, but that, he had that one glimmer of hope, and then it snaps right back into the constant torment and, that is his and life. Shout out, shout out to Lynn Ash for playing Polka Dot's uh, mom. I thought I thought she was, honestly, like that was so much fun. I and imagine how was, much fun that would be when she was when Starro, she was Starro yeah, right? right? Yeah. And then their leg um, hurt. Ah, so, good, so good, so good. Um, I also wanted to quickly shout out Viola Davis. Uh, Amanda Waller so good. for really truly being a bitch. the actual villain. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, more, but so, being... more so in the, the in this movie than she was even in sure. the, the previous film from 2016. Yeah. Like just yeah. way way more villainous and so much more like intense. Her acting was so good, so good. And like she was she was just she was one of those characters where it was like by the end of it, I was like I really <laughs> I really hate her. Uh, but like she does that so well. And it was the only the only thing I will say if we're talking about like didn't like though, and I guess I do have a little more didn't like the other villains that I can't even name for you right now just felt like they were there. They didn't, you know, especially in comparison to Viola Davis and like how much more they could have focused on her. They kind of they kind of cut her out for a big part of the movie. And I get it. She's not in the same physical space, but I don't, I don't know. I felt like that was a it could have been a little bit more of her, too. But that's because just like that beach squad. 
the the expendable squad yeah. like those other villains were expendable. expendable and i loved how you know one gets introduced and boom they're dead one gets introduced boom and they're just pawns all under the control of Waller's character. She is the bad guy. That's why, you know, you know that she's like Batman's number one enemy, you know, in a lot in a lot of storylines. He just hates her and what she stands for and what she's doing. And and they really conveyed that here. Like she is pure evil, even if it is a necessary evil. And to your point about them like just knocking off those no-name villains. I guess you're kind of right, because there is that one scene where, where you know, the, the one guy dies, and then, because Harley kills him, and then the other guy's like, well, I'll be president now. And then at the, at the very tail end of the film, they're like, he's dead, I'll be president now. And then the rebels come in and storm them, right? So you just sort of see how, even for them, even for their own country, uh, just how expendable these these presidentes are. Yeah, absolutely. The, 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 the threats that were in this movie didn't seem to really be that much of a threat. I think the biggest threat was Amanda Waller. And I thought when we get this realization that, you know, there's a government sort of association with the experimentation of Starro and and like that plot element, that they were now going to suddenly start to realize that that is the enemy. And they, they did, but obviously they didn't get to flush that out. So I don't know if that's like seed planting for a sequel where it, it, it is, you know, Amanda Waller as the bad guy. Who knows? But I, I agree that, you know, she is literally the embodiment of what the Suicide Squad is. She's an evil person who knows that evil can get the job done. Well, because I think that the character that I kind of found most interesting by the end of the movie, and I was really up and down on the character throughout the movie and then sort of had an aha moment was was peacemaker and he is kind of telling the story of what amanda waller is doing in that you know at first i could see oh john cena's funny uh you know i could see why they're going to do a tv show of this guy and then by the end of his run they turn him you know it's seemingly evil he's a villain in in and of himself and i'm like oh so i guess the show is going to be a prequel and obviously we find out that he survived and everything yeah and and again he's not even that bad because what he knows is that if this information exposes amanda waller and the government that it will do more harm than good in exposing that and so his actions are driven by this unwavering need to keep peace his showdown with Rick Flagg was was a combat of morals, not necessarily, you know, right and wrong, good versus bad. And that's what made that such an impactful fight, I thought. And, and especially his acting in that scene. And again, we talk about Cena being Cena. When he opens his mouth and he talks at any other point in the movie, I was like, that's just John Cena being being the sort of um, tough macho man. But he's not re- he's not really tough macho man. Like he kind of plays that off and it's, it's it works really well for him. Um, but he's still John Cena, and so to see him in that moment when he when he literally looks up at at Ratcatcher, and and you just see that in his face, and I was like, that that's fantastic. I want more of that John Cena in in movies. To be honest with you, yeah, I I, I would have to agree. I think John Cena was like was like a hit or miss for me. The moments where he wasn't actually saying anything were probably his best moments. You're absolutely right, Kevin. Like that fight, it's a great way to look at it. It's a battle of morals. That's that's entirely true. And I think when you see him stab Rick Flag and he has that realization, best acting he's done, because yeah. that realization is like a bit of like a oh shit, right? Like what yeah. did I do, right? And and, and I think, it, you know, I hope that that's what his series is going to explore. It'll be interesting to see. So, um, but yeah, for the most part, I found John Cena's acting parts to be more or less John Cena. See, and, and 
if if I was going to see them in the ring, I would take The Rock over Cena any day of the week. But if I'm going to watch him in a movie, I'm going to take John Cena. I honestly like John Cena being John Cena more than I like Dwayne being Dwayne. And I think John's got more potential to show a range. I really do. Like, The Rock is literally The Rock when he's angry or sad or happy or no, he's, he's in an action himself as, as he, that brand. He's right? rocking. He's just yeah. doing the yeah. rock, you know, whereas <laughs> Cena, I think will show like Cena played, you know, a dorky dweeby dad with huge muscles in blockers. And then here yeah. he's the cocky could do anything. Surefire going to wear my tidy whiteies. That's racist sort of, you know, you know, and <laughs> yeah. then, and then when he's angry, like you felt the intensity from him and, then the regret, like I just, he was a, I thought he was great. I was really, I was really impressed by him and enjoyed yeah, the interesting. performance. Interesting. Uh, I, I will just really quickly add that Peter Capaldi didn't add much to this. The thinker mm-hmm. character didn't add much. Either he had to be the mastermind and in control, or it could have just been a team of scientists working for a larger entity doing these experiments. And he just was useless. Yeah. Well, the only thing he added was that he shared the information that it is obviously U.S. funded the project. Right. That's all he served. Right. He was their way in. And that was it. Yeah, he was exposition. So I I think there could have been a little bit more attention given to how this character was a threat to the Suicide Squad. Well, uh, guys, we're nearing the end here. But uh, whoa, 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 Justin. I mean, come on. We can't forget the most important actor, I think, who honestly his character sacrificed the most. Uh, Julio Cesar Ruiz, who played Milton. Guys, come on. He, <laughs> he was so important in this movie, and he was he was there for a lot of the movie, to be honest with you, more than, I think, Viola Davis's character, right? So I just, I don't know, man. I, I shout really out to liked Milton. him. I, really I liked him, liked too. Him. <laughs> yeah, he carried stuff yeah, really well. Sure. Um, all right, well, yeah, so we're, we're getting to the end here, but before we wrap up and get to our final thoughts and score, I had a question for you guys, and we've kind of been flirting with this question already, so let's just address it straight up right now. Is this movie the best of the commercially successful James Gunn movies? Now, this, of course, includes Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2, in my thinking. We were hinting at it at the beginning. It's clear that the original Suicide Squad in 2016 was meant to feel like a James Gunn movie. And now they have done a James Gunn Suicide Squad movie, which is perfection. Um, But is it? The best of his movies or of the best of this comic book movies? Who wants to go first? Nate, I think I think yeah, you've already I mean, yeah, you, you go first because you've already kind of I've, I've already it. texted her. Yeah, yeah. I've already <laughs> messaged her a few times and now I'm just I'm sending her the heart emoji because honestly, it wasn't. It wasn't it wasn't better than Guardians of the Galaxy One. Absolutely not. Um I think there were aspects of it that again we talk about James Gunn having the freedom to be a little bit more James Gunn to be a little bit more in the violent world in the in the in the in the sort of very freeing like again like how how Polka Dot Man felt free in that dance I felt maybe this was James Gunn doing that dance yes with this movie very with these good characters. analogy love and it and so I mean not really but well, no, but it's, yeah it's true I, he's being I, free I he's being he's, free with yes. what he can do and not yeah. constraining like he's showing more more muscle because he comes from a horror background like he has yes. a, a passion for that so here he's able to blend what he's learned in, in commercially successful and outside of that commercially successful and really blend it together well in this movie and I think there were aspects of it that were were much better than some of the things in Guardians 2. I just, I still can't say that this movie was better than uh, the Guardians. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Kev, how about yourself? 
Um, I mean, when you start comparing this to Guardians, I think it's really difficult. And I think Guardians, the biggest success that it had was making you fall in love with a tree and a talking raccoon and sort of oddball characters. But I also think the Marvel Cinematic Universe had sort of been doing that already up to that point. They'd been taking these lesser known non-household names and making them household names. James Gunn maybe just did it with the quirkiest characters and in the best way possible up to that point. What he does here, though, is I think he takes a conventional superhero movie and just makes it so unconventional and bucks so many trends. I just love what was done here. I love the combination of, you know, the serious action gore fest mixed with, you know, this heartful tale of redemption. So I think it honestly might stand on top of Guardians for me and just what it does differently than every other comic book movie of the last 10 years. Okay. Yeah. I see I I'm I this might it might be a um an oddball sort of question, but I, I honestly don't think of this movie as a superhero movie. I, I do think of it as a comic book movie, uh, but with the aesthetical qualities of like that eighties, nineties uh, action movie uh, really stepped up with a lot of Hollywood glam because of his commercial success and, and his ability of what he did with Guardians. So to Nate's point, it has the best parts of James Gunn's past film work and his more relevant commercial work. But in terms of, of storytelling and, and actual flow, Nate, you said it earlier, the pacing of Guardians is like spot on. The way it just starts and takes you to the end, it literally is the smoothest. I remember watching that movie the third time, I was just like, this movie is so well paced. It is edited well, it is, an, it is flawless. It is literally the best example yeah. of a well paced story and movie that in, in the last, I would say, five to ten years. Easy. Yeah. In terms of this movie, I think that, you know, he kind of went a little bit more free. He had a little bit more liberty. He had a little bit more fun. And that might have actually worked against him. And what resulted was sacrificing pace. So I'd still put Guardians above the Suicide Squad. However, I think this is, it's fairly close. This is the best of James Gunn as he draws on all of his past film work to create a whole new experience, right? I think that's the thing for, for being free. You want to create something new and i think that that's what he did really really well um but obviously not as good as guardians uh all right well guys let's get to our final thoughts and score which we'll be doing on a rating of five starro spores okay all right all right i only have one face so i i, I guess i gotta give it one no i'm just kidding <laughs> yes, uh, but the star <laughs> has five tips Oh, <laughs> and hey. that is also the same as your butthole. Anyways, let's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that moment too. All right, um, then. Uh, Nate, why don't you uh, give us your final thoughts and yeah, score? Again, I think I went into this movie uh, expecting it to be a fantastic, fun James Gunn team up movie, and that's absolutely got it. Was enjoyable. It was entertaining. It sets out to be violent, and it it absolutely nails that. I think. Um, I, I do think that again, there were some pacing issues with it. Uh, I do think it, it did borrow some things from other, you know, superhero or MCU movies in the best and sometimes not the greatest way in the sense of redundancy in the sense of there were definitely things in this movie that I'm like, wow, we've, we have seen that before. And yeah, that happened in that movie. And then I remember that happened. And while it does take those and sometimes make them better, which is always appreciated. There's some moments where I'm just like this sort of met met that expectation for me. So 
It was awesome. It was fun. It's a great time in the theater. Please go see it in D-Box. Uh, if you want to go see a movie that has uh, just a, a ton of action and and really cool moments, uh, this movie definitely nails it with perfect aim. Uh, so for me, I'm going to give it a four out of five star o spores. Damn. That's uh, much higher than I expected. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I thought you were going to get that 3.5. Nice. I'm too nice. I couldn't. I was I was thinking about it, but talking to you folks about it, about especially Kevin, just what you got from, from Ratcatcher, you know, I, maybe I got to watch it again so I can really focus in on that character to see if it does work for me a second time. Um, but no, man, I, I I think this movie was, was, was really, really fun. Cool. Kev, final thoughts and score? Yeah, I mean... When I heard that they were not necessarily redoing, but revisiting the Suicide Squad so soon after the disastrous first attempt, my excitement level was next to nothing, especially when it was, oh, and Rick Flagg's coming back. I'm like, oh, the guy who talks about Katana and her magical sword, like he was so lame. And then the first trailer dropped and I went, oh, yeah, this has a different vibe. And this is what we all thought that first Suicide Squad was going to be. And so I've been amped up to see this since we got that first trailer. And so I went into this with some pretty lofty expectations. I was expecting something unconventional, something that was going to be grittier and more violent than the typical, you know, superhero movie that we've come to see over the last 10 years that all sort of fit under the same umbrella. And what I got was a movie with a lot of heart, a lot of depth, a lot of complexity. I was I was disturbed. I was upset. I was depressed at times. Um, I felt for these characters. I mourned their deaths. I was rooting for them and legitimately worried that they weren't going to make it. I thought they were so successful in just creating this level of uncertainty, especially in that third act. Obviously, we've talked about the characters that we knew were going to get wiped off the map pretty early, but that central core of characters... I, I liked learning more about them, and I thought it gave them a roundness and a complexity that drove the story. It was really about these underdog characters finding, you know, th- something within them that they didn't know that they had. And I thought that was best personified by Idris Elba's Bloodsport when, in almost a Captain America from the first Avengers movie, he becomes that leader and starts directing them through the city. When that happened, I was like, yeah, let's go. They're doing it. And I just... I thought that was such a rewarding feeling to see all these characters find the best of themselves for the right reason, even though they're some of the worst people you can imagine. I just thought as a character study, this film really, really succeeded and it brought the best elements of what James Gunn can bring to a movie in terms of gore, violence and humor and heart all together in a really nice package. It's easily my favorite movie of the summer. It's the best movie of the summer, without doubt. But it's my favorite movie that I've seen this year, I think, in terms of a movie with the 2021 date on it. Um, And I'm sure, you know, once we get into Oscar season, this won't be on my best movie of the year list. But right now, it certainly is. Um, I absolutely loved it. I wouldn't recommend it to casual comic book fans who like lighthearted, easy breezy, fun stuff. Um, But if you're in for a bit of a a roller coaster ride in terms of emotions and some gore, um, this this movie will surprise you, I think. And all that said, I'm giving this one 4.5 out of 5 Starro Spores. Wow. Nice. All right. Awesome. 
Well, uh, you guys pretty much summarized most of my thoughts. Um, I think the only thing I can really add is that I don't think of this as a superhero movie. I think of this as an 80s, 90s action film with characters that are villains from comic books. Uh, Gunn masterfully has created a summer classic film that people will remember. Um, it, it is a theater movie experience, so definitely, if you can, check it out in theater. Um, I, I don't know if it, I would say it's the best movie of 2021, but it's definitely the blockbuster movie of the summer uh, that people are going to remember and talk about. Um, again, to see everything kind of come together with all of the best of James Gunn, the action, the gore, the humor, uh, the heart, and and as the, and with, with such a diverse cast. And I think that this is where uh, this does feel like a James Gunn movie. Um, he created a story around characters that are otherwise forgotten or many might be uninterested in. And as much as there was action moments and, and these really great like sort of set pieces and so on, the interaction between these characters was so much more interesting than, than outside of all of that. Um, and what Gunn does really, really well, and he's a craftsman at this, is he flushes out these characters and is confident in knowing who they are and what role they play in the story he's trying to tell. And I think that can be said about every character we see in this film. Uh, and for that reason, I am going to give this film a four out of five star uh, what the f did I call it? Starospores. Starospores. A four yeah. out of five starospores. Um, I, I loved it. It doesn't obviously take the cake in terms of Guardians. And, and as I was explaining, it has a lot to do with those pacing issues. But all in all, this was fun. And and like this, this is a summer blockbuster movie that you, you know, get a big ass thing of popcorn and, and a drink the size of your friggin' head and like just sit down and watch this movie and have fun. I wish you could get a, a drink the size of your head. How dare Cineplex and their tiny, large drinks. I was done 15 minutes in. <laughs> you didn't get those yeah. fast nine cups, man. Those things are, are massive. <laughs> oh, man. Well, um, that's it for us and our spoiler-free and spoiler-filled review for The Suicide Squad. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. And feel free to give this Geek Squad a five-star review while you're there. Also, we have got a lot of other content for you to enjoy. We currently have our ongoing watch club for the Star Wars Bad Batch. We'll be dropping episode 15, which is part one of a two-part finale this Monday. So if you've been following along, don't miss that. And also, uh, we got some great stuff coming next week. We got Disney Plus's new series, Marvel's What If happening next week. <laughs> and you know we're going to be doing a watch club for that, but not before we do our watch club preview. Yeah. Uh, which is going to be awesome. I'm stoked. So be on the lookout for that. Um, but guys, we are Geekcentric, and you can be too, which means you can also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. Follow us on Twitter at geekcentricyt, and check us out on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Kevin, Nate, Thank you so much for joining me for this suicidal review. And as we say. Oh, sorry. I just had to get that lollipop out of my mouth. Love ya. Get the f home safe or I'll punch you in the gut. <laughs> uh, I guess that's the R-rated version of your side off, eh? <laughs> Peace.